Dusky goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? We are back with our second episode of the European edition of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast. With me, as always, the Marcus Rashford to my hat trick, Billy. Are you going to shut me off again? I'm going to cry. Keep the tears in, buddy. Keep the tears in. I know no the tears are joy, but keep them. Keep them no to- guarantee. Keep- Pull yourself together, man. <laughs> but this week, guys, other than a demolition in Manchester, we have teammates falling apart in Madrid v Gladbach and a less than stellar game in Turin. We'll just launch right into demolition in Manchester because I know you are dying to talk about this match. I sat here fidgeting like an excited schoolboy. I mean, you are still an excited little schoolboy, but you know. I really am. It's the most ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just like I'm an overgrown man child, you're fidgeting little schoolboy. I, that, I am an overgrown man child. That, that, no, that's my, that's my title. We've agreed on this. But the first half of that game, we we oh. you know we ignore because it was a snooze fest, and it I'm like I mean I think I said this to you before was the first half does not reflect the scoreline whatsoever or better oh, said no. other other way around the scoreline does not reflect the game as a whole. Oh no, not at all. And I've picked out two things that I think changed the game. One of them is pretty obvious. But in that first half, it, I just want to mention Mason Greenwood because I'm running out of words I can use to describe the boy. The only ray of sunshine in that first half, maybe? Yeah. And it was oh, that no. marauding run from Paul Pogba. Like you said to me, the only good thing he's done probably this season. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying that's the only thing I've ever heard you praise about Paul Pogba. Just saying. He set the he sets the bar too high, and because we all know what he can do, and that was, I don't really know if I can call it vintage because he's not really that old. Oh my but god! That was him using his his best attributes, his power. The pass was amazing, but it was the run from Greenwood that you can't teach, and all all the ex pros, the coaches. Pundits, they all say, out of Rashford, Greenwood, and Martial, Greenwood is the best finisher. And that's a big shout considering the performance Marcus Rashford did put out. Just completely changed the game. I mean, if ever a manager should be praised for pulling on a substitute, it is in that moment. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. It's, do you know what? I think Marcus Rashford, ever since he, or better said, ever since other players have come into the Premier League, you know, started to dazzle ever since, you know, he bursts onto the scene because we forget he's already been doing this for three seasons. And I think, you know, Mason Greenwood and then also other exciting players, just not even young talents, but just players like Kevin De Bruyne becoming probably the world's best center mid. Um, You know, Jack Grealish, coming out of an Aston Villa team that did not look like they should be having a player 
anywhere near his caliber, judging by the way they played. You know, I think people kind of forgot about how good Rashford is, but he's reminded us. Definitely. And it happened last season when him and Martial had that little, who's going to finish top scorer? Like, you know, Rashford would score twice and Martial would get an assist. And then the week after, it was like Sheffield United, Martial got a hat-trick and Rashford got two assists. It was like... Back and forth. And Rashford gave up a hat-trick opportunity in that game to give Martial the penalty. He scored the hat-trick goal anyway. But in the second half, two things happened. So we brought on Rashford, but RB Leipzig moved to back four. Big mistake. When Marcel Sabitzer came on. And I know he's the talisman now that Werner's gone, but he's not fit. He didn't look fit. And he came on. The tempo, like a switch went. And Leipzig just capitulated. And he he also gives away a penalty in the 90th plus three, I think it is. And then Uh, tries to claim he got the ball. I mean, the replays just show that he he was nowhere near it. It was, uh, it was it was a weird one because I think in in Germany we would we will say that you know Nagelsmann he er had sich verkoached you know and he he miscoached so to speak if that makes any sense that movement from a back three to a back four I think I, I mean you said it it was one of the turning points or one of the two turning points in that match. And we have seen from Leipzig that they have done well with a back three. And, you know, as much as they didn't play their unbelievable style of football in the first half, they still held United to, you know, what just one goal. And that was down to individual class. Yeah. That first half could easily have been nil, nil for an hour. That could quite easily have been nil, nil. But it all it changed for Leipzig when they took off Benjamin Henricks and moved for that back four because I don't think anyone knew who was playing at right back because it looked for about 25, 30 minutes that Sabitzer was playing right back. Yeah. It's a weird one, though, because, I mean, they beat Hertha Berlin, for instance, with a back four. And, you know, they switched from... They, they've been switching back and forth from a back three to a back four, uh, basically every single match in the Bundesliga. That one all draw against Leverkusen was probably the first one where the back three didn't fully pan out to a solid, a solid result. But I mean, apart from that match, they've won everything else. And it's hard to say why he thought if, I mean, if defensively, they were at least solid enough to only concede one. All of a sudden, the back four, or it's changed to a back four, and you know, it becomes a, for lack of a better word, a sieve, because back there that there was nothing being kept out. That back line was open like nothing else. Yeah, and one of the goals came after Upamecano. He just marauded forward into our half. And then you look at there's no urgency to get back. And when you're in a back four and you're one of the centre-halves, you can't do that, which I think is a bit of naivety because he was only 22 the other day. Yeah, he's young, but the thing is, I'd almost criticise him due to the fact that he is, 
or he has the experience. He may be young, but he has the Bundesliga experience. And, you know, there's, it's not without reason that, you know, the guy has been touted as the top center back option for many top teams, you know, to freshen their back lineup with a new young talent. Or in my opinion, at least, he's past that phase of, yeah, he's a new young talent. He's now one of those younger talents who is now slowly becoming the leader in that back line of RB Leipzig. And, you know, there's a reason he, he's got a 60 million uh, euro price tag. So to go marauding forward like that, yes, it's a learning curve still, but at the same time, he's got the experience where he shouldn't be doing it. I think it may have been more out of frustration than anything because at that moment in the game, there was just no fluidity from Leipzig. Like, one thing I did find quite funny, and it happened to John Gadetti when he was playing for Celta Vigo. He spoke beforehand, slagging United off because he used to play for Man City. He's like, oh, well, I'm going to score and uh, they're not going to get past past Celta Vigo when I'm playing. Uh, he it hasn't an, aged well, has it? He missed an open goal from like three yards out to take it to extra time. Sit down. And Angelino, who I'm not sure where he was playing because when they moved to a back four, he was playing like left wing. I mean, to be fair to him, he's got the capabilities to be a solid winger. And, you know, if the last Champions League match day is anything to go by, that that control and that turn. I know it was against some no-name team, but, you know, still, the, to have the control and turn like that and finish, he's got some technical ability about him. Yeah, but Istanbul Basaksha here aren't Manchester United. Well, obviously and, not. But And before, yeah. before the game, he was like, oh, well, sometimes they can be good, but also sometimes they're really average. It's like, well, there's a reason City uh, bought you twice and sold you twice. Sit down and shut up. That's really triggered you, hasn't it? Well, it has because you just... There's, I, I know there's a bit of like fighting talk because you used to play for Man City, but you're clearly not good enough to play for Man City. And he, well, he offered nothing <clears throat> that entire game. Wan-Bissaka had him on strings. To be fair, though, Wan-Bissaka and Twanzebe, well, I know Twanzebe didn't play yesterday, but Wan-Bissaka, he's coming off of having just had 400 million euros worth of players in his pocket in the last Champions League match day. I think he was more than up to the job to contain Leipzig's attacking force. As much as I know that Leipzig are a very talented team, you still can't, you know, compare their their attacking players to Neymar and or Mbappe. There's just no way. Well, that's the thing. I don't know why. You might completely agree with me, but I don't rate RB Leipzig going forward at all. Uh, Yusuf Poulsen is just some glorified target man who, by, from his display that he put on yesterday, has got no physicality about him at all. Went down every time Maguire breathed on him. They've got um, uh, Alexander Sorloff, who's a Crystal Palace reject. He's a transfer I personally don't understand. I mean, many are touting him as being some kind of striking talent. Just because he scored 30-odd goals for Transispor last season. It's the Turkish league. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but Mario Gomez, if that name rings a bell, it should. Um, he was 
after having played for Fiorentina and being on the back end of his career, he still won the golden boot in the Turkish league. Where he, he was more or less in retirement at that point. So those 30 goals might as well have been three. I wouldn't go that far, but uh, maybe, yeah, maybe that's a bit out, harsh. But that's a bit harsh. But it's not more than you know having scored maybe ten goals in the Bundesliga or something like that. You know, in the, right. along those lines. And then Given ten well, goals in the Bundesliga is not bad, but still, it's not. But not for a team like that want to be where Leipzig is. And then Marcus exactly. Rashford comes on and scores a sixteen-minute hat trick, his first senior hat trick for United. And I think the most telling uh, passage of play which basically showed why the match finished 5-0 was Rashford dancing through the back line of Leipzig to score a second. Oh, because, yeah. I mean, do you know what? I'll let you wet yourself over this one. Well, it, so Marcel Sabitz is sort of like, he couldn't control the ball. Fred came from behind and stabbed it forward. And he was everywhere yesterday. Falls to Marcus Rashford, who takes it. He sort of flip-flaps around Dea Upamecano. Smashes it past Galashi before he can think about what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it was very telling because it just looked like Abbey Leipzig were there just to sort of play the training poles that you have in, uh, you know, like the plastic training men and just let them and let United's attackers run rings around them quite literally. And I also have to say, Gulashi was not at his best because there were a couple of goals where I felt, you know, he got a solid hand to that. You know, a couple of Rashford's shots, or no, I, I think one of Rashford's goals, he definitely should have done better. And, you know, the penalty, he also got a hand to it. If yeah. Gulashi had had a better day, maybe he saves a couple more and it maybe only ends up being two or three nil at the very most. I've got one more thing I want to say about that game and then we can move on because people are probably <laughs> sick of hearing this. But the Lino, my God, man. <laughs> oh, no. You are a professional linesman and you cannot tell if a player is in his own half or not. I'm so yeah, glad he carried on and finished that goal because there was no way that those defenders were catching him anyway. No, no. And Galashi didn't give up. So you, you can't have the defense of, oh, well, ref, I was just stood there. No, he tried to make the save. But didn't it really just, have a chance. <laughs> it baffles me, like, how you can be a professional Champions League level official and get something so basic so wrong. I think he was, uh, you know, he was, he was thinking along the lines of, I'm already a referee in the country with the worst officiating on this planet, I might as well go and give them a run for their money. Maybe I'll get a job in the Prem. <laughs> Trust you'll see him Fulham v. v Arsenal in a few weeks' time. Oh, Jesus Christ. But we can move on from Manchester United, as some people will probably be glad to hear. I think we can move on right to the next topic, which is, you know, it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite an unbelievable one, but the match... You uh, mentioned Gladbach v Madrid. It had it all. And before we get into the unbelievable intra-team slagging off that happened at halftime in Real Madrid's dressing room, 
we have to say that Gladbach played unbelievably for 87 minutes. 87. Sadly, a match consists of 90 plus usually three added minutes. And that's basically the headline for that match. Last thing we said the same about Mainz, didn't we? And, and uh, Gladbach v Inter a week ago. Yeah, literally. Like, they'll feel rotten. Because they, Mad- they should. <laughs> Madrid didn't deserve anything, but <clears throat> twice they switched off and twice they were punished for it. Madrid deserves to not even have a point and sit down there, bottom of the table with zero points, because that was football. That was that was sleep football. They put the. It was an unbelievable statistic that Sky Germany pulled out. It was twenty-one passes in a minute and ten seconds. And Madrid did, they didn't get anywhere. They were stood, camped around, you know, the, the Ramos camped around just, just behind the halfway line. And Kroos was running, you know, running in and out of, uh, you know, the midfield third and, the, and Madrid's attacking third and kind of playing a pass here and there. Like they kept the ball, but they got nowhere. There was no, they seemed to have no idea how to attack the team. They seemed to have no idea, they seemed to have no plan going forward, which also, I think, and rightly so, leaves very big questions around Zinedine Zidane as manager. As much as he, you know, has coached Real Madrid to three Champions League titles, how worthy is he really and how good of a coach is he really? when he's given a team of talented players, but without, you know, top players like Ronaldo. That's a very, it's a big shout, but I can also kind of agree with you. Like, I I agree with you. And those three Champions Leagues, he had Gareth Bale in the form of his life. Exactly. And Cristiano Ronaldo. And Benzema. And you know, a younger, somewhat hungrier Benzema. He doesn't look at the races, but you're talking about their passes. So they made 685 passes to Gladbach's 328. And they had 22 shots, but only six on target. And I'd still say Gladbach had a better read of the game than Real Madrid did over 90 minutes. I mean, Gladbach, they just deserved it. And that's what makes it even worse and a bit sickening. Exactly. Because you I think all, all the big players played, you know, Marcus Turam, who scored twice, Alisson Player, I think got an assist. Uh, I mean, it's, it's counted as an assist because it was his... Uh, it was... Oh no no no! The se- the the first goal was a beautiful assist. This I was I was thinking of the second goal because the second goal was kind of a it was a shot blocked by Courtois and then uh, Turam taps it in. But the first one, my God, Kevin De Bruyne, take notes because that is a through ball that is going through the legs of Rafael Varane, I think, and around Sergio Ramos in front of uh, Felan Mendy, I think, who was playing it right back. And straight to Turam, who all who has a one-touch beautiful finish. I mean, take a bow, Alison Player, because unreal. 
unreal that assist. And that's what I mean. Like they just were hungrier, were better. Madrid look crestfallen, and like they, Tony Cruz. I know you love him and all that, but players of that quality, Cruz and Ramos, are like husks of what they used to be, shadows of their former selves. Okay, get ready for this one, yeah? Oh, okay. One, Tony Kors, probably the worst match I've ever seen him play in a long time yesterday. Someone clip that. Oh, it is definitely going to be clipped. Uh, well, He's criticizing was... a German, quickly. <laughs> I mean, he loses the ball in the run-up to the first goal. There's just no getting around that fact. And his passes, as much as they do still find their man, and, you know, it's still metronome-type passing, they've sort of lost that, you know, that touch, of, that touch of brilliance and that touch of danger that they had two, three years ago when Madrid were at their very best. You know, the passes, his passes don't split defenses in two and don't pr- cause headaches for any manager watching. His passes are now just, you know, they're going from side to side. Uh, they're not really finding anyone in the unreal attacking zones. I mean, this might be different in La Liga. I don't watch La Liga on a regular basis. But what I saw from him yesterday, that is what I'm describing right now. And I, I just don't see the player that was unbelievable during Real Madrid's Champions League campaigns and the, um, when they won that three-peat. So... <sighs> It's hard to say. Here's a, here's, an imp- here's a question for you. Has Real Madrid completely missed the generational switch or replacing their star players? Have their star players now grown, for lack of a better word, full when it comes to trophies? They're just, they're, they've, they can't, they can't have, they're not hungry anymore. Uh, it's a difficult one because you'd like to think a professional footballer at that level would always want to win. I think more than anything, when a lot of those players joined Real Madrid, when Ronaldo was still there, they were feared. Yeah. Teams used to be like, oh, okay, look, damage limitation. If we can come out of this 2 0 instead of like 8, then that's okay. They weren't used to losing. I think the biggest problem, they've not replaced Ronaldo. It's kind of hard. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of United, hard because United still haven't. That's what I, exactly what I was about to say. They still haven't. Like, Ronaldo left and we had Nani, who was good, but wasn't but Ronaldo level. No. Ronaldo's left Real Madrid. They've now got oh, Asensio, Rodrigo, Rodrigo Vinicius Jr., who on their day are good but they're not Ronaldo oh you just provided me the perfect segue I'll let you finish your point but then we'll then we have to talk about Mincinia Senior yeah definitely and I just I don't know I just wanted to say that I think Real Madrid this is going to sound really rash and could make me sound I look really really stupid if people were like no (laughs) but Saxadan move away from big signings like Eden Hazard because he's not worked out. They almost need a cultural shift because the way they used to operate doesn't fit 
with football these days. Okay, now you've opened a can of worms that we're definitely going to have to pursue. So, Vincinius Jr. and uh, Benzema put you on hold. I think it's interesting you say the cultural shift because I would say more than they need to sack Zidane, they need to get Florentino Perez out of there because he's the one who pushed through the Galacticos policy and everyone thought, you know, either this guy's a madman or a genius because the amount of money he's leaving on the table is unbelievable. So we look at, you know, the Galacticos program as it started 2000, 2001, I'd say, because 2002, you know, you had the Beckham, Raul, Zidane, um, Roberto Carlos, Casilla, Sergio Ramos came in that uh, era as well. You know, you had that Galacticos profile when it came to their transfer policy. Yet, they didn't win a Champions League between 2003 and 2013. They left a ton of money on the table, and it did nothing for them except win them a couple of La Ligas, a couple of Copa, uh, Copa del Reyes, and, you know, those are national titles that everyone expects Real Madrid to win anyway. And this culture just kept on going, given... It did finally pay off when, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo came through and they bought, you know, Bale and, uh, and Benzema and that kind of, and that team kind of started to gel, really. They're all given full credit, but now they're realizing that they're not the only team that everyone wants to go to when it comes to Europe's elite. So they've got way more competition, but they also have a lot of debt from the amount of spending they uh, had in the, in the early 2000s and uh, beginning of the 2010s. And so now they can't, they're realizing that they can't necessarily you know, compete with the top teams, not just in terms of money, but also in terms of the club that they're offering. Because of course, everyone wants to go, still go to Real Madrid, I'd say. But you know, I'd say Liverpool and Bayern are probably more attractive if you ask a player right now or in the last year definitely well that's the thing i don't think every player is now going to want to go to real madrid or barcelona for that matter but for different reasons yeah a player won't go to real madrid now they could offer them all the money they want and if they go for money then you kind of deserve it exactly but you look at the way bale was treated Oh, it is a shambles. You look at... This is, this is coming from uh, the perspective of a younger player. So you look at Sergio Reguillon. Yeah. Who had that outstanding season for Sevilla. Marcelo's not been at it for at least two years now. And yeah. Ferland Mendy isn't all that. It's just quick. People love Ferland Mendy because he's good on FIFA. That means nothing. <laughs> to real football, like Sergio Reguilon will have a great season for Spurs this season. But if I was him and Real Madrid went, oh, we'll, uh, we'll buy you back now, I'd turn around and go, no. You didn't think I was good enough after the season I had. You stuck with the old man. I, I'm here. They wanted me. They play me and they love me. Similar, it's exactly yeah. what Gareth Bell said in like his first interview back with Spurs oh, it's nice to be back where I'm wanted and where I'm loved. Because even the Madrid fans didn't like him. 
And that man played a massive part in winning you three Champions Leagues. Without Gareth Bell, they don't win La Decima. Yeah. They don't yeah. that promised land. I mean, I would go as far as to say that Bale didn't necessarily help his case during, his, during the last couple of years at Madrid. And, uh, you know, apparently with the rumors, I think it's even been confirmed now that he didn't try and learn Spanish, which is a big part of integration. I think he doesn't do himself any favors. However, I think at the end of the day, you know, even if that player doesn't integrate himself, you can't look past the fact that where it matters, which is on the pitch, he integrated himself just fine. And as you said, played a massive part in Real Madrid winning three Champions Leagues between 2016 and 2018. Well, he definitely integrated himself well enough to form that BBC partnership up front with Benzema and Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. But some players, there's a, there's a weird psychology because it's the same with everything, sport-wise and even like in, in everyday life. Some people want to be encouraged praised and some people want to be challenged you know some people want you to push them along and say yeah that was really good that was well done for that that was fantastic and some people want to be told i don't think you can do that i think that's a a little bit out of your reach and those people will go i'll show you i think zidane's got one attitude i don't think there's a okay well Ronaldo liked to be challenged. Ronaldo liked to be, okay, uh, you see that over there. If you hit that target 10 times in a row, then I'll put you on free kicks or something like that. I think Gareth Bale from the interviews and what he said is almost a, oh, Gareth, okay, you, you didn't quite hit that target, but the way you hit that ball was good. You can do it. Just keep practicing, not... Oh, well, that's not good enough. Yeah, yeah, I de- definitely, definitely. To the Ronaldo story, I've got another little anecdote, which is uh, it's, it's often shared, um, where, you know, Rio Ferdinand beats him at table tennis um, during, you know, United's free time back in the day. And Ronaldo apparently got so pissed off that he bought himself a table tennis set for himself at home and practiced so much until he came back a couple of weeks later and beat Rio Ferdinand just to say, you know, he was the best at table tennis. And that's the thing, that's, that's a mentality thing with different players. Some players would have gone, oh, yeah, it's fine, Rio, you're the best. Like, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like there's a Definitely. treatment of yeah, players. Yeah. And Zinedine Zidane is very much, from what it looks like from the outside anyway, Zinedine Zidane is very much, well, it's my way or the highway. Or the highway. <laughs> and I think that is a perfect segue into the Vincinius Jr., Benzema controversy because I don't care if you are you know a professional footballer or if you're in the workplace but talking about a colleague like that in front of a camera that's running I mean he knows there are cameras all over the damn place and mics talking about a colleague like that if I was a den I would bench Benzema for that crap because that's unacceptable I, do you know what the worst thing is as well? I'm watching the video now and Vin- <laughs> Vinicius Jr. is the other side of the of the tunnel. He's talking to Ferland Mendy in French, so he, pro- he probably can't understand what's going on. Yeah. But that is, that is so snaky. That is underhand to the max. And 
Ace. I'm I sorry, said, Benzema. You're if you're listening, you're a dick. Well, I said to you, trouble in paradise. And it's like, well, I'm not. You said no, it's not been paradise for quite some time now. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. environment is going to if they keep on like that. He's like, yeah, they beat Barcelona, El Clasico, but Barcelona are crap at the moment anyway. If they keep on this path, if something doesn't change for them, that environment will get more toxic. It won't be Benzema talking to Ferland Mendy in French so Vinicius Jr. can't understand him. It will be telling him to his face, you're crap, I'm not passing to you. And in that second half, he didn't pass to him at all. There are the stats that show it. Didn't make any yeah, passes after Joe went out yeah. at all. After Joe uh, showed that. I mean, there was a comparable time where in the German national team, um, it was apparently said, but here's the thing, apparently it was never actually confirmed that or the words never actually came out of Tony Kors' mouth. But apparently Tony Kors had a very big problem passing the ball to Marvin Plattenhardt, who was trusted with the left-back position at, at the time. And he just didn't trust him. And this was during Germany's horrendous 2018 uh, World Cup campaign. Even though, I mean, that in in and of itself was already a massive scandal. But the words never actually came out of Kors' mouth saying, you know, I'm not going to pass to Plattenhardt because I don't trust him. This is Benzema saying, on my mother's life, don't pass to this guy. Not just because I don't trust him, but he literally says the words, he's playing against us see it goes back to what like different players like some players want to be shouted at but in that situation as a team you've got to go look you're not playing well we know you can play well chin up it will happen you don't go nah sod that just don't pass to him it's a toxic work environment that's the thing. That they, they're so used to having everything their own way. There's almost a brattishness about it. I think that many players even will go that far because, you know, they say, yeah, I'm playing for Real Madrid. You know, every, the world should be, you know, kneeling at my feet because I am in such a privileged position or better yet, I am so good that I am playing for such an elite club. And that's a problematic mentality to have. Well, even, even though you might have earned the right to move to Real Madrid, like Eden Hazard, that last season at Chelsea was unreal. So he'd earned the move to Real Madrid. You've then got to earn your place at Real Madrid. Just because... I was about to say, Hazard hasn't earned the white... He hasn't earned to play week in, week out in that white shirt. All he's done is earned the move to Real Madrid. He's earned the sign-on fee, basically. Yeah, you don't stop when you get there. It's not... That's not final destination. Final destination is, I want to win with this team. I want to emulate what other people have done with this team and I think there's a lot of people at Real Madrid just like oh well I'm here now so kick back and just coast I think yeah it comes back to the point where we said you know there's no hunger in that team but I think we've uh we've now definitely picked apart the Real Madrid uh problems should we have a go at Barca now I was about to say, you know, just in style with this episode. And, you know, why don't we just keep on going? Juventus versus Barcelona was shaping up to be the duel that everyone was looking forward to. Everyone was like, oh, it's finally Messi versus Ronaldo. Well, for starters, 
Ronaldo is still in quarantine because he tested positive again, which he wasn't best side pleased note, about. I was about to say, on a side note, as you know, a player with such a following on social media, he has pulled the dumbest move by getting pissy about his retesting positive because he's, you know, he's saying, you know, PCR is bullshit. No, you say that a bunch of, a bunch of people will actually start to believe you because enough people are easily influenced. Having such a role model, you know, position and you say PCR is bullshit. That's the main form of testing during this virus. That is so counterproductive to what everyone is trying to do, which is combat this virus in the best possible way. He should know better. Yeah, he should. It's not great. And there's an investigation going on. I think that's why he's kicked off. Because there's that investigation by the Italian Football Federation as to whether he broke protocol or when he was away with Portugal. Oh, boy. But that's... As much as I love him, that's not the correct way to do things. You You just stick the picture on you know, I'll come on boys like looking to be back to my best soon or something like that. Something horrendous. Exactly. PR. Exactly. But not at the that. bottom. It's just unnecessary. It really is. But getting back on track, that may basically made the dream duel between Ronaldo and Messi, uh, null and void for anyone looking forward to that. And if I'm being honest, would we really have seen the Madrid-Barcelona-type Ronaldo v. Messi duels like we did in, uh, in the uh, El Clasicos? Because as you have already alluded to in our presentation of the topics for this episode, Messi still hasn't scored a, a goal from open play. You know, even with the president stepping down, so he's got his way, but... I think the damage is done between him and Barca. I, he won't be there next season. And I'm not going to lie to you, but everyone who's getting excited about maybe getting Messi for you know a fraction of the price that many people thought he might leave Barca if he ever did. I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest here and say anyone who buys Messi next summer is going to be getting a shell of the player who won six Ballon d'Ors and is touted as maybe the best footballer ever to play the game. Because he is not himself. I mean, he got it, pushed it, off the ball by Demiral in the back line of Juventus, who, great, he's a good defender, but he's not world-class. And he knocked Messi off the ball like it was nothing. Uh, he, he showed a bit of quality with that pass to Usman Dembele for the first goal. I mean, the yeah. goal was deflected, so great. But can we talk Alvaro Morata? Oh, <laughs> He's got to be the most unlucky player ever. Who gets three goals discounted for offside three times in the span of an hour? That's got to be some kind of record. Well, funny you should mention that, Lewis. In 2020, Alvaro Morata has had the ball in the back of the net 18 times. 11 of those have been offside. Oh, no. Oh, it's even more than half. Yeah. Wow. It's utterly outstanding, that record. For for a player who, when he was first at Juve, was actually really good. 
I mean, there's a reason here, and he did as much as Eden Hazard earned his move to Madrid. Morata earned his move to Real Madrid. But did he though? Because they brought him back from Juve and then sold him to Chelsea. Yeah, but I'm talking about the time where Morata actually played for Madrid. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so he earned that, and yeah. I feel really bad because he, he can be really good. You know, it didn't work at Chelsea. I don't think he's consistent. He's consistent enough for, for you know, that. I think Juve was probably his best time. And that's probably why he's back there as well. But I don't think he's got the consistency for, you know, Real Madrid. Well, or at least well, what they need. Real Madrid players at the moment don't have the consistency for Real Madrid. I mean, you're you're not wrong whatsoever in that sense, but yeah. (laughs) You'd think in an ideal world, everyone fit and healthy, everyone available. He doesn't start for that Juve side. That's Ronaldo and Dybala every day of the week. I mean, you say Dybala, but Dybala and Pielo have not really seen eye to eye this season, have they? I mean, if only he'd agreed to join United on a swap deal. I'm also saying Dybala is not every everyone. I remember everyone was hyping up Dybala a couple of years ago, being everyone saying, you know, oh, he's the next uh, 100 million euro transfer. I'm sorry, but that man is not worth 50 at this point in time. I mean, what I saw from him yesterday, also just to say, as an overall comment on the game, Barca v Juventus, that was a crap match to watch. I was going to say subpar. For the fact that for the for the duel it could have been, it was an unbelievably boring game of football. I think the reputation of the two players that could have played ruined that game because everyone was bigging it up as oh, it's Messi against Ronaldo, it's Messi against Ronaldo. Yeah. Who's gonna be the goat of goats? And it's like okay, well, hang on. Let's focus on the fact that there are some other players here. You know, Artur and Pjanic swapped teams in the summer and now they're back playing against their old sides. No mention yeah, of mean, that. They didn't, they didn't really perform up to, up to standard either, did they? No, not really. <laughs> but there's just... That, that shouldn't be Messi against Ronaldo. That should be Juve against Barca. Two big European teams. And it was no, all, definitely. oh, well, Ronaldo can't play. So, well, this is going to be crap, isn't it? Yeah, but that was reflected in the style of play that both teams had. And, both, and I mean, the, in the game that, that we saw. Barca aren't having a good time of it at the moment. I mean, as you said in whichever episode of season one that was, Bayern broke that club. And I'm... Not even going to lie, the effects are still very clearly visible. Oh, yeah, you dismantled that club, not just the team. Speaks volumes now that over the course of that summer, their best player kicked off and wanted to leave. There was almost a legal, or there there was a, a mini legal battle that ensued. The entire board have now resigned. Good riddance. Because we, we also had a good rant about how crap the Barcelona board are. I mean, Barcelona <laughs> will be better off for them leaving. Yeah. And, oh, this is going to sound really, really weird. Similar to Real Madrid, there needs to be some sort of, almost like a soft reset. And Messi needs to be released back into the wild. 
to go back to whatever planet he's from. <laughs> because you think that it's already an aging team anyway. So there's a lot of players in that team that are 30 plus. Yeah. Which, by the way, why was Gerard Piquet offered a new deal? Which, by the way, why is 23-year-old Artur getting traded for 30-year-old Pjanic? To be fair, this is both, these are both transactions that the board, which have just resigned, forced through. So, no surprises there. It's just like one last giant... Well, his last giant middle finger was saying, uh, oh yeah, my last act as president was to agree to join a European Super League. So, have fun with that. It's like, yeah, someone else no. will come in and just go, no, we'll ignore that. No. Because... <laughs> I doubt it. But... Can you understand what I mean when I say Messi should leave Barca? Not necessarily for his benefit, but for the benefit of Barcelona. If they can get some money for him, I fully, no, I fully, I fully get that because it is much the same as any star player at some point not being the same player they were. It was. It just is that there is just no getting around the fact that, you know, you can't expect a player to play at the top level for his whole career. There may be, you know, one or two players who can very get very close to that. And I think, you know, for instance, Ibrahimovic has shown that he just gets better with age, but he's an anomaly. And even Ibrahimovic, I think, is fine where he is at AC Milan, where the, uh, the expectations. expectations aren't as high. And it's not like Barcelona don't have the players waiting. Ansu Fati coming through. There's a, yeah. a youngster, Pedri, yeah. coming through. You know, I, I don't see any reason why they won't go back in for Memphis Depay, who, yeah, isn't Messi level, but he's still a very good player. Messi probably should have, should have left after this or after the previous season already because, I mean, Barcelona should have let him leave. Because as much as the board may have left now, I still don't think that Messi is all too keen on staying at Barcelona because it's just a completely different club from the club that he joined and the club that you know he saw play so well, win multiple league titles, multiple uh, Champions League titles. I mean, Messi's been at that club for, you know, people forget, still three Champions League titles, 2006, 2011, um, and 2015. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm also forgetting 2009. He's been there for four Champions League titles. So, yeah, I, it, we we said this uh, during the summer that things are going to turn sour, and you are not so much messy. Well, actually, yeah, messy as well. But you undo all that good when you do what happened between Barcelona and Messi. Messi you, now thinks, well, why, why should I care? I've given you 98, 99% of my career. You know, I've given you like three decades of my life nearly. I mean, it just goes to show either you leave a hero or you stay long enough to see yourself become a villain. And in my eyes, Messi has done exactly that. I mean, you still be their greatest ever player. Of course, of course, he will. And it's 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 not about that. It's about the here and now. True. When he leaves, I think there'll be some hindsight. Yeah. But until then, it's going to be well. 
if you're not going to put the effort in, why are you even bothering to play? I mean, he still, he still scored against Juve. Yeah, from a penalty. But he's we're not pe- got a goal even... from open play this season. Exactly. And, you know, the penalty, even people were like, mm, you know, given his run of form, I wouldn't even be surprised if Messi misses a penalty, which I thought I'd never say in my life. You know, that's, that's, how, that's how harsh it's gotten. And um, don't, don't get me wrong. It pains me to criticize, you know, once great teams, once great players. But, you know, at some point you have to, you have to speak the truth. And that is just right now that, you know, those players or those teams who used to run the show, the European show. I mean, you just have to look at the amount of finals that Barcelona, Real Madrid and Bayern Munich all went to in the last 20 years. And I guarantee you will be the bulk of them. Yeah. 75% or more. And, you know, you said Bayern kind of scraped, scraped by with their generational switch, and now it's worked out for them. But they had a couple of years, you know, the last two seasons where there were very, very big questions behind them as well. And I think now both Barcelona and Real Madrid are at that turning point where right now there are questions being asked, and if the right uh, decisions are made in higher management – when it comes to player selection, team selection, they might be able to, as Bayern Munich did, get away by get away with just you know a couple of scrapes and bruises. But if there are not some serious changes made in both of those clubs, they will crash and burn. You got to know when to say goodbye. Ultimately, yeah. like but Bayern did it with Frank Ribery and Bastian Schweinsteiger. Iron Robben. I. You know, you let those players who were so good for you, you let them go. I mean, yeah, you went out on a high. You didn't go out after an 8 0 thrashing and a fight with the board yeah. and, and the president. Yeah. yeah. Football's such a small lifespan. You have to know when's, when the right time is to say Throw goodbye. Throw in the towel. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, and I think that best sums it up because also, you know, football is such a quickly changing field it's not just you know uh you know the career lifespan it's just a it's just the sport is just so fluid and you know the status quo changes so often that i think it almost makes it hard to find you know the perfect point to of when to stop but just that fluidity makes it all the more worse when you miss the point of where you should have stopped and you keep going because at some point it'll come back to haunt you. Exactly. And on that note... I was about to say, if you weren't going to say it, I would. <laughs> on the subject of knowing when to stop... Oh, that was a beautiful segue. Thank you. It made me cry. That'll be all from us on the Champions League this week, guys. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, do your thing on the social media, which as always is Instagram, Twitter, our RSS feed, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.